think our three readings today give us, in a sense, three stages of the Christian life, one after the other. And I think the first reading is about the search for God. And it's this very beautiful reading, really, about the search for wisdom and what it means to be wise and, and the importance of seeking that out. And it's really a, a question of, well, what is good? What does it mean to be good? What is goodness? And the importance of asking the question, spending one's time seeking it, desiring it, chasing after it. And that's its portrayal of what, you know, a good person does, or what a wise person does. And in Scripture, particularly in the, in the Old Testament, but also in the, in the New, one of the, one of the highest compliments you could give someone is to call them wise. Because it's not, it's not just about having a lot of knowledge or even necessarily experience. It's about seeing the whole and being able to see the value of, of everything within the whole. So you're able to see and judge particulars here because you get where they fit into the big picture and really God's picture. And, and in, in a, it's a way of having a, a sort of a God's eye view of all things. And so to be able to have that, to not only see it, but, that, but to make judgments based on it and to act on it, is to be a wise person. And it's, again, it's not, it's not a, um, a kind of a specific knowledge. You know, it's not, in one sense, necessarily the knowledge that you get from, like, going to seminary. I mean, that might be able to help in some way, but it's, it's deeper than that. It's deeper in the sense that you see things the way God sees them because you are like God, that his goodness has found a home in you. I actually thought of a, there's a, a short dialogue in one of the Harry Potter movies that kind of reflects this. And after some, I forget which one it is, but one, after one of the, you know, the adventures of our main trio, Harry, Mine, Harry Ron, and Hermione, um, Harry uh, says to his friend Hermione, who's you know, the smart one, he says, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you. And Hermione says, books and cleverness. There are more important things, friendship and bravery. And it's a, it's a neat little dialogue because on the one hand, Hermione is sort of rejecting the title of great because of her academic prowess or her, her cleverness in the moment and you know, getting her friends out of a jam. And, and so she, she pushes away that idea of of greatness. And she says, no, it's, you know, bravery, friendship, virtue, you know. She says those are the really important things, and she means that as a compliment for Harry. Um, but in reality, what she's doing is she's showing her own greatness, because she sees the value of things within the larger whole. And so she doesn't, she doesn't overvalue her book knowledge or her cleverness in battle. She doesn't overvalue them, she doesn't deny them either but she recognizes that there are much more important things, which is exactly what you would do if you're actually a great sort of person. And so I think in her, we, we see that little, that, that distinction. 
So, so to be a Christian, I think, is first of all someone who is seeking the good. Who is seeking the good. And what does that mean? Because none of us sees perfectly from that godly perspective. So Christians are ones who search for the truth. Seek, says Jesus. And of course what he says right after that, and you shall find. Which brings us sort of to the second, the second part of Christian life. If the first is the search, the second is finding in Jesus the whole of God's wisdom. And I think that's what our, our second reading really points to. You know, Paul focuses our attention on Jesus. And not just Jesus as uh, the wisdom of God, but, you know, the wisdom of God made present here. So in Scripture, like in the, in the first letter to the Hebrews at the very beginning of it, uh, one of my favorite passages, it, it says that um, uh, Jesus, um, who is the refulgence of the Father's glory, the very imprint of his being, and who sustains all things by his mighty word, when he had accomplished purification from sins, he took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high, as far superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And Paul certainly gets that, that sort of very high view of Jesus as the wisdom of God. But Paul is always preaching the wisdom of God made present here in flesh. So it's this concrete sort of wisdom. And not just that, but what is, you know, in sort of this global view of things, not just that wisdom comes down, becomes flesh, and ascends once again, but that wisdom is coming back for us. And therefore, he wants to focus our attention on Christ and his second coming as the goal of life. So if we're searching for wisdom, the Christian is defined by finding the ultimate answer in Jesus and in his second coming, and that everything, all the little things of life are focused on that. And this leads us to the, to the third part of uh, sort of the journey, searching for God, searching for wisdom, finding wisdom in Christ, who is wisdom incarnate. And finally, achieving that goal of attaining wisdom, of striving after Christ. Once we have found our goal, striving towards it and living out of that reality. And this is, this is where the talk of wisdom becomes really practical. You know, it, it's interesting in our, in our gospel today, you know, Jesus in, in this parable about you know, good and, and evil and you know, judgment and the second coming, puts it in very sort of practical terms. You know, these you know, wedding party and the virgins who have this job to do run out of oil. You know, it might be like, you know, their party bus ran out of gas. You know, and this, was, this is what makes them foolish, foolish people. They didn't put enough gas, you know, in the party wagon. Um, which seems like a sort of odd, uh, odd kind of thing. Um, but of course, the, the oil and the lamp and the light are all symbolic of you know, much more important realities. But it's this practical example, and I think we can't get away from that, that, that in a sense, finding Jesus and living out of that involves a lot of practical choices. 
And to not make those practical choices makes one foolish in the biblical sense. So if, if being wise is one of the great compliments of Scripture, being foolish is uh, one of the great... What's the opposite of a compliment? Uh, insults. There we go. It's one of the great insults. And actually in the Greek text, the word that Jesus uses here, um, moros, is the root of the word moron. You know, so we have the wise virgins and we have the morons. That's what Jesus says. But really, moros has a secondary term. So in one sense, it's, it's foolish, like, you know, duh. But, but in a secondary sense, as it's often used in scripture, it means wicked or godless. So it has a very severe negative connotation. It's the opposite of wisdom. Because it doesn't judge all things in the light of God, in the light of Christ and his coming at Bethlehem and his coming again in glory. And so the foolish ones don't see and, and don't, uh, don't prepare and don't sort of put their house uh, in order, knowing what is coming. One of my favorite scenes from, from a movie, uh, it's from the, from the Simpsons movie, uh, which came out in 2007. And there's this, I, I won't spoil it for you uh, in case you want to watch it, but there's this scene in the town of Springfield where something is happening up above in the sky and it's cataclysmic sort of world-ending event for them. <laughs> and so this is going on up above and, and then you see a frame of looking down on the people and you see Springfield Church next to Moe's Bar. And this group of people comes out of the church and out of the bar. And they look up at the sky and they all scream. And everyone in the bar runs into the church. And everyone in the church runs into the bar. And it sort of reveals what they, what they were really looking for, what they really valued at, at the end of the day. And that's, in a sense, what the second coming, you know, when Jesus talks about that, and St. Paul talks about that, but that's what it's meant to do. It's like, the end is near, let's make practical decisions. And so, you know, that means in our own lives, you know, that, that little things make, uh, can make a, a big difference. And Jesus talks about that. He was faithful in little things, will be faithful in great things. You know, for Exodus 90, one example, uh, so this is sort of a very intense uh, program that, that we've done at Hope College for the last three years, and part of that is for 90 days, taking cold showers, except on Sunday. Well, when I first heard about like cold showers as a, as a penance, it was from a book it's about 10 years ago called Swimming with Scapulars. And it's a memoir from, I think, the former food and wine critic of the San Diego Chronicle. And he talks about, you know, how he, he had this idea, you know, he wanted to do some penance, so at the end of all his hot showers, he would turn the knob to cold, and he would say three Hail Marys. He said, sometimes that was the only prayer I did during a day. And sometimes those Hail Marys had to carry a lot of weight. But it was something that he was faithful to. And, and it made this, this big difference in his life. Think of another story. I was at a, uh, a focus conference, Fellowship of Catholic University Students, and all us priests were together having dinner, getting ready for a, a long night of hearing confessions. And <clears throat> a priest, um, 
whose name I can't remember right now, he stood up, Franciscan, and he told the story of a conference two years previous where this young man came to confession and, and he gave him as a penance. He said, I want you to say this prayer. Lord, let there be more of you and less of me. Now, the priest only intended the penitent to say this once. That was his whole penance. So, gives him the penance, guy leaves. Next year later, guy comes up to him, finds him at the conference and says, Father, I just finished my penance today. He's like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, Father, you gave me this prayer and I had to say it every day for a whole year. And the priest thought to himself, no, I didn't. But he asked the guy, well, how'd it go? And he said, it changed my whole life. Little prayer. Lord, let there be more of you and less of me. One of those little things every day. Made a big difference. Or another little thing I, I, which I, I've always found very edifying. One of the, the Dominicans I was with in seminary had a practice um, of uh, buying $5 gift cards to Subway so that whenever a homeless man asked him for something, he, he wouldn't have to turn him away. He would always have something to give him. You know, he didn't want to give cash, but he, he had a gift card that he could give and, and know that that person wouldn't be hungry. And I thought this was, it was a really sort of beautiful act of mercy, of generosity, to just always be ready, always be ready to help someone out in this little and very prudent way. You know, and sometimes the little things, talk about the little things, but sometimes the little things aren't so little. You know, I think of my, <clears throat> talked about her before, but my grandmother, my mother's mother, still alive at 98, um, not really with it. But grandma, grandma went to Mass every day of her life from the time she was 18 till the time she was 92. And it wasn't like she, she went to Mass one day when she was 18 and she had this like, profound mystical experience and she swooned and she's like, I got to do this every day, you know. Grandma was not the swooning type, let me tell you. Um, she just came to a very sort of practical decision. She, you know, she was going to Mass and she realized, you know, I need this every day. So I'm going to go. And she did. And that kind of sums her, up, sums her up in a nutshell. That's Grandma. I need this. I'm doing it. Okay. Very practical. But I think also very wise, you know, and it was a sacrifice. She was, the, she was uh, married, um, but she had, she had a career for uh, many years to help support the family. She uh, was raising five children, um, you know, so getting to, to daily mass, you know, I mean, that was, that was a commitment and it's just like, it's what I got to do. And I think these concrete practical things are, are so important because when we talk about following Jesus, we're talking about the one who is love itself and who is wisdom itself, who made his love concrete. That it wasn't good enough to just have this big booming voice in the sky that said, I love you. That no, he intended to show us and to show us in a very concrete and painful way how much, how much he's loved us. And so we need to concretely give our love back to him. So I invite you now to simply close your eyes and, 
and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and to ask him how you can concretely give your love to Jesus.